0: One of the great values in unitarian universalism is that of freedom a free and responsible search is the top of the list of principles at the start of the unitarian universalist association in 1961 and that same free and responsible search for meaning is at the core of our current principles i find that so many times that freedom is assumed and presumed That we presume to know what we are talking about when we speak of freedom. But if such freedom and life, freedom of spirit and life is to be lived, I ask that we consider the nature of freedom. Because what we don't practice and understand with intention, when what we value, is taken for granted, not only does that which is most precious slip away, but it is easy to miss the impact of its absence on those around us and, by proximity, on us. The question of freedom was at the top of the mind of President Franklin D. Roosevelt uh, for his State of the Union Address to the United States in 1941. He spurred. The country into action in World War II, and he did so by calling us on with four freedoms: freedom from freedom of expression, freedom of religion, freedom from want, and freedom from fear. These freedoms, he named, are the antithesis of the so-called new order of tyranny that was rising. Roosevelt offered these four freedoms as an ideological counter to the fascism and control that were emerging in Europe and in other parts of the globe. And in addition to his purpose and calling us on to the larger freedom, I think what he was also talking about was even larger than one moment or uh, one instance in history. It goes beyond, also, the call of freedom, uh, as named in our country's constitution. The freedoms he points to address the higher goals of human security and liberty. No matter who you are or where you come from, these are everybody's freedoms. He is calling the world on with these freedoms and hoping that they would be a rallying cry as to encourage the world to have confidence to come forward for the sake of our collective wholeness let me offer that I don't mean to say and he certainly didn't mean to say that freedom is understood as a magical fix for the better without discernment or reflection Um, these freedoms would also be taken as a call for American exceptionalism and for the United States uh, to think itself especially equipped both morally and in materials to be the enforcer of the world that we would be some this, those of us in the united states would be some kind of special people to go and accomplish saving others from tyranny this exceptional exceptionalism is of course problematic on its own terms but naming these freedoms and calling us to them helps us know them again and apply them with wisdom and humility. In this moment, I want to look in particular at the freedom from want, as named by Roosevelt. He spoke of economic insecurity with freedom from want. And and I seek, I want to know more about the nature of that want, to understand the nature of that particular freedom, because it's not just about the economics, it's not merely about the money, because money is an expression of what's already in place, what's already happening, what is already present and in the system. The want that is named in relationship to freedom is a want of resources, of information, of wisdom. It is in this understanding um, that want goes beyond This understanding of want goes beyond ignorance and that lack of knowledge as well want to me is it's so much more heartbreaking and draining it is an experience of impoverishment want is a weakening that exhausts the vitality and i find this freedom from want speaks to the collective drain on our souls and the effect of it is felt not simply by the people directly in its path but by all of us by everyone in our society author margot lee Shetterly included these freedoms and the nature of want in her book hidden figures and in her book we learn the story of the african-american women who were essential to the math and the programming and the imagination that made it possible for the United States to send a person into orbit. This exploration for space and the drive came soon after Roosevelt offered this call for these freedoms. And we, the people of the United States, were pursuing those explorations and that great adventure. Now, let me offer that the book covers uh, decades of the 20th century uh, teams of people, and the development of the space program in the United States. The movie, also called Hidden Figures, condenses and dramatizes the experience of black women in the space program. Uh, the filmmakers changed the timeline, created composite characters, and even changed how certain events happen, some to the good and some to mixed effect. So. It is worth checking out the book the reader's edition and the movie to get a more complete account of this story the movie in particular focuses on nasa's effort to have an astronaut complete multiple orbits around the earth and return to the ground safely and these events take place in about 1961 to 1963 uh, and indeed Uh, The first person to the United States from the United States to orbit the Earth uh, in real life and in the movie uh, is John Glenn. And we know he came back. We know he landed safely. I'm not giving away the end. The movie focuses on Katherine Johnson, Mary Jackson and Dorothy Vaughn as part of the human computers in the racially segregated West computer group at Langley Research Center in Virginia. These black women encounter racism and sexism in abundance in the course of being exceptional in their work with calculations, in engineering, in computer programming, and in dreaming of the stars, along with their white colleagues. In the movie, we observe their effort to keep pushing against the legal and social restrictions that kept them out of classes, out of projects, and out of progressing. In their careers Uh, in the movie in particular uh, one of the most dramatic moments um, includes the drive to beat the Russians at getting a person into space and it gave Katherine Johnson a particular chance to join the Space Task Force group as one of the computers one of the human people to do these calculations Uh, and this group was otherwise all white men and one white woman who was handling the administration before catherine enters the room not only is she minimized as a person uh, a mere computer she has the indignity of having to use a segregated bathroom uh, and after being seen to enjoy coffee from the shared coffee pot uh, the immediate addition of a coffee pot labeled colored These scientists, people, letting themselves be, and their great work, be held back by segregation, by a coffee pot, really. One of the ongoing stories uh, is how the separate bathrooms um, functioned in their lives because nobody took into account somebody might be coming from one side of the campus uh, to the other which meant that Catherine had to walk a half mile back to the West computer facility every time she had to use the facilities. And after months of doing so, in all matter of weather, there is this one moment of the movie when she has been doing so in the rain, and she is entirely soaking wet, and she's been called to task by her white male supervisor, played by Kevin Costner, and he is wondering calling her to account as to why she's been absent. And there she is, dripping wet next to the colored coffee pot, and she lets loose. She finally lets loose and rails against having to make that journey, but not just the time for her from being away from her desk, but for every element she encounters in that space that dehumanizes her, that keeps her from doing anything productive. And when she finishes, she musters her dignity and walks out, walks back to the West computers. And she probably expects to be fired. In the dramatic moment of the movie, her white male supervisor makes a great show of whacking down the colored women's bathroom sign and declaring an end to segregated restrooms on the entire base. I need to note that In the movie, the history of this event has been condensed and changed for a dramatic impact. The person who made possible desegregation uh, on the campuses was in fact a black woman, not a white man. And this happened some years before the dramatic events uh, as portrayed in the movie. So it strikes me even as we're talking about want and desegregation and liberation, that even how we tell the stories needs to be measured against some truth. What certainly is the case in the movie is how it illuminates time and again, how these black women curve their lives around so much bias and so much hardship even as they are brilliant and keep finding a way for themselves and for others the want named in the four freedoms is so deep just the story of the movie demonstrates on how this segregation reduces access to work and peers and visibility and respect reduces these Moments to work together, the imagination that could come from listening to each other and how that was limiting them and us from getting to the stars. The absurdity of these layers of bias present while professing to be deeply concerned about human safety as these the space uh, staff were while aiming to leave the boundaries of our planet certainly led me to wonder which was more powerful, racism or gravity? and Which was going to win, physics or bias? That was a real question. And it's still a real question. It keeps being a question and illuminates the depth of want and why we need to be part of the liberation do we shall we get past our tendency our ability to separate and put down and oppress ourselves and others it is such a sad truth that impoverishment harms those who perpetuate it as much as it does Harm those to whom, against whom it is directed the suffering in the system is on all of us in economic terms it is uh, the loss of economic opportunity mutual wealth accumulated in religious terms this want is this moment of separation of more than that a moral failure In religious terms, that want keeps us from recognizing the holiness and the wholeness of each other, what keeps us from recognizing each other's worth and the spark of the holy that we each carry. This freedom from want, this freedom from the vacuum of information and relationship and support, how many people never have had a chance? never had the chance that someone such as Katherine Johnson had of having love and teachers and family who could get her to the right school when they saw her capability in math when she was just a child. That freedom from want, that vacuum of relationship and knowledge, it impacts us today. Because why did we just, you know, why did we only just hear about the story in all its fullness in 2016? This story missed a generation who were watching live and hanging on every detail of the journey to the stars in the 1950s, in the 1960s, and so on. I missed this story in the time of space shuttles and first women in space. And I am so glad that my children and all children get to hear this story today. In Unitarian Universalism, we seek to profess freedom from want and freedom for the emancipation of the soul, to shuck off the frames and bindings and the burdens that come with any particular story we're trying to lose all that would restrain us and hold us back and make room for the range for the abundance and for the diversity of the human experience that might lead us to new music new math new life and more stars we want to free ourselves from want from oppression from this impoverishment that we would seek knowledge in freedom because we realize how deeply this understanding of want can go. The search is not only for knowledge, not merely for that, but also to guard the search, and even from ourselves when necessary. Our call in this moment is to understand this nature of want, the nature of the freedom from it and the nature of the systems that would keep us so limited. Our call is to seek out those hidden stories, those hidden figures, in all of their glory and in all of the tragedy. So let us go forth. Let us go forth and take up this call and and answer it. Let us go forth and add our call for freedom to the world. Amen.